never let them stop your grind And when it's time, don't ever let them stop your shine Why? Cause you work hard to get there When you get stuck, look up, don't just sit there There's haters regardless, just do what you do You ain't through till it's finished, man, that's what winners do Hey guys, and welcome back to Maddie Costanzo's podcast. I am super excited. It is like 9.30 at night here in Australia, and it's probably about 7.30 over there now in America, and I have my first international guest. So, Coach Rob, welcome. Thank you for jumping on. Thank you so much, and good evening to you. Thank you for working us in. I know you've had a very, very long day, so I hope the listeners appreciate the uh, the investment you're making uh, with your time. So thanks for having me. Yeah, more than welcome. I was so excited when you sent me the message. I think it was only two days ago. You were like, are you free? 7 a.m. my time. And I said yes without actually realizing what time my time was. But that didn't matter. I was like, I'm going to get it done. So, um, I'm yeah, I'm so super pumped. And I, I know a lot of, obviously, my clients and um, followers on Instagram and stuff are really excited about this podcast. So, I know it's going to have some juicy information into it. Um, so, I've got six questions. I did give you some warning. So, there's six questions. We'll just jump I guess straight into it and Sounds good. Um, see what what your magic answers are for everyone. Okay, so the Sounds first great. question is from the nuns. Um, I know you are aware of who they are, um, but for anyone that doesn't know who they are, they're obviously just clients of mine, and they're great um, family friends, and their young ones are obviously riders in the motocross world. But their first question is: is what is your advice to prepare for the best mindset? prior to a motocross race? That's a pretty big question. Yeah, it's a really good one. And, and the family's phenomenal. Having a chance to work with them at a performance workshop there at Mount, Mount Kimball over there was awesome. I don't want the listeners to get overwhelmed quickly, but when it comes to race day, there's two parts of the hemisphere of the brain. The left brain is literally the logic side. That is pulling clutch, roll throttle, let the throttle go, excuse me, roll throttle, let clutch go, switch gears. That's completely left brain side of things. When it comes to optimizing race day, you have to learn how to turn that left brain off. So what I mean by that is the right side of the brain is the creative side. So we've got to be able to train ourselves to legitimately turn off the left side of the brain. Because when you, we always say when it comes to race day, And for anyone that's taking notes, this is what you'd want to jot down. On a race day, it's about focus and not thinking. Because when the gate, when you roll into that gate, that right brain should have already created a video, a movie of exactly how you're going to execute. And those are the two words you have to put together. You've got to learn how to focus and you focus on the execution. What is it you're going to execute? The video you've created. So for Jack and everybody else, when you lay down at night and you're at the most the highest level of relaxation, take the time to visualize how you're going to execute, whether you get the whole shot, whether you get third place, whether you come through the first turn in 15th place, you have to have all of those scenarios in place because then the body will automatically respond. Uh, let me give you an example for I the listeners how powerful the brain is. Don't think about a pink cow with black spots. Don't think about a pink cow with black spots. So as soon as the brain hears don't, it does the exact opposite. So when someone's on the starting eight and says, don't blow your start, don't go down in the first turn, don't, 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 the brain goes right that direction. 
So we have to, first of all, as parents, as mentors, as mechanics, we have to make sure that what we say to our athletes fits the way the brain processes. So if you can just use that one simple example and realize, okay, the brain's going to go where I ask it and train it to. So you have to literally train your brain to think. Another example is think about the military. They don't wait until you wreck a $300 million plane to go, okay, now that you wrecked a $300 million plane, let's talk about what we could have done to keep that from happening. So think about that. When the military personnel hit the ground, it's immediate execution of what they've rehearsed. There's, as the old saying goes, there's no time for thinking. If you think in the military, you get killed. Yeah. It has to be intrinsic. It has to be autopilot. Where does that autopilot come from? The right side of the brain. Now, the left side comes in when you go out and you work skills and drills. With your football background, how much time did you guys spend doing drills? Oh, I mean, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, lots. Like, yeah, minimum of like two hour sessions, three, four times a week, you know, since I was five. Nothing but you know? skills yeah. and drills. Yeah. And, and, and of those two hours, how what percentage would that have been over the entire, let's say you have a one practice session. What of that would be actually let's play games and scrimmage versus how much that would be skills and drills? Oh, skills would be like 95% and then the last little like 5% would be like a fun game at the end. Yeah, that's it. It's crazy. And what's so crazy about that is anybody that knows your background, you're at the, you're at the tip of the spear. That's the very best of the very best of the very best. They're not scrimmaging for two hours. 95% of that is skills and drills, 5% scrimmage. Why? Take the skills and drills and then put them into application. It doesn't matter if we're talking amateur motocross, football, whatever. I I would really encourage the listeners, you are at the tip of the spear. Why don't they emulate what you did? And it's never as... I say this all the time because with Jack being in the motocross world, amateur motocross racers do four to five times more than any professional ever does. And that's where the moto parents and the, and the, and the parents of all amateur sports need to back off a little bit because they think more is better, more is better, more is better. More of what? Not because you are giving me a privilege to be on your show, but they need more of what you do. That's why I made the comment to you in that uh, story yeah. that you posted where you've got Jack with a medicine ball in his knees, laying on his back with a straight bar, yeah. moving it back. And that's very creative. Yeah. So, you know, it's those are the types of things people need to understand. On race day, all of that creativity does what? It drives the right side of the brain. Yeah, yeah. Now, your clients don't realize you're doing that for them. While Jack is laying on his back with his knees in the air with a weighted ball and you're throwing off that proprioceptive balance, what are you doing? You're making them learn how to be creative to get it done. Yeah. And that's where you get the unique mixture of left brain, right brain. But when you go back to race day and you roll your bike into the gate, you literally cannot think. You just have to be able to focus and focus on the execution of the plan and that's that's the best way to get the most out of the race day yeah that's perfect so would you consider obviously like it like almost like a light switch light switch sorry and like how would you i guess for a young rider how would you turn that light switch on how would you like would it be like self-talk going like i am gonna do this i'm about to go into this race i'm about to get the whole shot like what would be like maybe a little trigger i guess or a cue that they could use on race day to trigger that that brain there's a couple ways you can do it like you mentioned Keywords are are often utilized. People will take a piece of duct tape and put it on the crossbar pad. 
So when they're sitting at the starting gate, they see it and it, it, it prompts them to go that route. I like to empower the athletes to, there's nothing wrong with keywords, but it should literally be autopilot. You know, yeah. when you roll into that gate, I love your analogy. You walk over to the wall and you flip that switch. Yeah. You've got to be able to turn that on. Yeah. And you got to learn to be able to turn it back off. And that's the sign. That's what differentiates a good rider versus an excellent rider versus a champion. Yeah. And it's that champion mindset. I know that's a little textbook cliche-ish, but it's got to be trained. And not, again, I don't want this to sound like this is just a, a compliment fest. I love when you post things where you're sitting and you're actually talking with your clients. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not about just always physically getting the work done. I like the way you work the mental muscle. Yeah, because well, that's again, so important. Because, again, not trying to sound textbook cliche-ish, Training is 90% physical, 10 mental. What's racing? What's high-level competition? 90% mental, yeah. 10% physical. Yeah. But you're one of the few that actually works the mental muscle, and I love watching you do that, especially with such young people. Because we throw – let's face it, youth athletics, the learning curve is, like, straight up. Yeah. And so we ask a very young athlete, to, we essentially throw them into an environment that they're not familiar with, and we expect them to respond in a, in a professional in an top of the way. Top. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So anybody who has a chance to work with you, you provide a unique opportunity because yes, you're very, very creative, which I think is cool, keeps their attention, but you also work their mental muscle and you don't see that very often. And so props to you and you may look at the results yeah. of your athletes. Yeah. Thank you. I, thank you so much for that. Yeah. I, I think I learned that from obviously, um, and a lot of people obviously that know my story is, is my injuries. Like before, as you were talking that, like obviously like light switch two and that champion mindset is I can, yeah. I have almost like, um, and it's funny when my friends say it, they come and watch me play football and it's like, you almost have two personalities. Like I have one off the field and it's like, I'm a whole different person like on the field. And like when I get out of the change rooms, I walk past them and they go to, go to say something and I'll just ignore them and I'll just, I'll keep walking. Cause it's like, I'm in that mentality yeah. of like, and I was teaching my kids this this morning. I have two young female um, tennis players and they're struggling with that. Obviously that light switch, like flicking it on and, and getting into that champion and mindset. But the, I feel like, we didn't get that, even my age, like, I didn't get that at a young age. I didn't get that sort of coaching um, and, and actually how to use our mentality. We just got told to, like, suck it up and, you know, like, be tougher or whatever it was. And it's like we never got taught how to flick that switch on. And I only taught that, like, self-taught that, you know. Like, to me, when I had my first ACL, you know, it's like, well, no one's going to get you back on the field. It's going to be you, Mads, that gets you back on the field. Sure. And so sure. I think that's where that journey began. And it's so cool now that I can, can teach that to to the kids and go, um, especially like Jack, perfect example, obviously broken femur. And now he's like writing, you know, the compliments that he's getting about his fitness and his, his techniques are insane. And it's because he put in the work, you know, I just gave That's him the right. tools was like, you need to work on this, this and this, but if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it for you. So it's, it's, it's no. giving the kids the right tools now. And I think both you and I do that. And obviously hopefully more coaches start to do that because I think it's very important. I think it's absolutely imperative because let's say, let's say your partner Addie wants to become a doctor. She doesn't just fall into becoming a doctor. What does mm. she do? Yeah, she she goes study. to books where previous physicians have consolidated and you take that book and you learn and you apply another book and you and I refer to it as athletic maturity. Every single time a match begins, every single time a gate drops, you learn more about yourself. Yeah. physically and mentally. Yeah. So 
we don't want to like get so caught up that we're competing so often that we lose sight in the enjoyment of the journey, but we're asking for athletic maturity from very young athletes. So to have someone like yourself, you bring in 15 years of elite level performance. Like you say, you've been through the school of hard knocks. We, particularly yourself, go out of your way to make sure you're not just telling the kids, suck it up, buttercup, let's just figure it out. You're showing them the shortcut between where you're at, injured, where you want to be back at an elite level. Here's the quickest way to do it, sleep, food, stretch, strength, all of that. But you're getting the mental mindset to go, look, I've been there before. I know what you're thinking. Everybody else is getting faster. Everybody's getting better. You're not. Yeah. You grab that negative I call it the canary on the shoulder. You know, you shoot the bird off your shoulder. You change their perspective a couple degrees to go, look, you're controlling what you can control. Control the controllables. Yeah. So your strength, your flexibility, your nutrition, your hydration, your sleep cycles, do what you can. And even though you're injured, and I say this to all of my clients, refrain from taking on the mindset of an injured person hold on to that mindset that I'm the elite athlete that just has a challenge yeah. because every single challenge creates toughness. And I know, I know, again, that sounds kind of cliche ish, but when I, there's a, in the motocross world, I was working with a gentleman by the name of Adam C. If you follow Supercross, he rides for factory Kawasaki. I had him through his whole amateur career that he got pulled out of the image. He was the youngest person in history to go from literally a small bike, 85, he was plucked and put right into a factory 250 program. Wow. So I was interviewed by, how do you think Adam will do? And I said, my only concern for Adam is he's never had a significant setback. The whole time I worked with him, he had broke his coccyx bone because he had looped out, but he never had any time off the bike because like with Jack, you know, your entire leg in a cast. So my concern was, is without facing adversity, You don't have the confidence on overcoming adversity. We all want to have no adversity, but it's the adversity that teaches us how to cope, overcome. Look at, look at your ACL surgeries. Think your first one to your second one. Yeah. Very different. Second one comes, you know what to expect. This is that familiarity principle. Yeah. And this is where it's like, okay, I've been here. I've done this. I know what to do. We don't want any of the listeners to get injured. But unfortunately, setbacks is where we learn the most about ourselves. We get very creative. Again, I sound like a, a plethora of cliches, but what's the mother of invention? What's the mother of invention? Necessity. Yeah. You didn't have anybody. You, I would love to have had a camera in the room the first time you had your ACL surgery. And if we could get all the bubbles that you were thinking and get those consolidated, what will we have heard? What will yeah, be a Yeah, mom, actually, mom's got a funny video of me. I was literally in the hospital bed, obviously still a little bit um, off my off my brains. But one of my first things <laughs> I said, mom was like, oh, what, what are you trying to do? And I said, mom, I've got shit to do. I've got to like go do things. And like, I've just there literally come out of ACL surgery and she's laughed like trying not to laugh and, and it's a good little um joke we now have it's like yeah even when I was high as a kite uh, straight after surgery I thought I had something to go do and something to prepare that's for. right so, yeah it's good well, that mentality is so different I remember yeah the first ACL was so different compared to that and what you bring to the table both let's say on the field or off the field on the track or off the track is you bring that sh- you bring the cliff note version on the shortcut to success And I think, and you and I have talked about this off the air, there's a lot of quote unquote bad coaches. Yeah. You know, the difference is 
you've been there, you've done it, both the mental and the physical, it's no different than Addie going and getting a book because she wants to become a physician. Where do you start? You start with those that have done it before you. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of people that are not qualified to be doing what you do. They're making a lot of declarations that they can, mm. and all they do is they hurt people. Mm. And, and that's a personal mission of mine is what I call coach accountability. I'm putting together a coaching certification program where I – will guarantee anybody that becomes a client of ours will never experience adrenal fatigue or Epstein-Barr. And if you do, I will give you every single dollar you've ever given us. Yeah, wow. Now, we have a checks and balance system, and and we've got a bunch of materials. But the idea is, is if the athlete's willing to make the commitment to us, and we'll make the commitment to the athlete and his or her parents, at the end of the day, I'll make a guarantee that if you're willing to trust what Maddie has to say, and you do it, and we've got some checks and balances – we as a company will guarantee that any work that you do with Maddie, you will never, ever have to, you'll get every dollar back. Yeah. Because think about it. When you have an irresponsible coach and you you deal with it all the time, people that are way outside their wheelhouse, they know nothing about nutrition. They really know nothing about anatomy and physiology. They know nothing about periodization, nothing about true athleticism, but because they were uh, an elite racer one day. Now, all of a sudden, they're physiologists. Yeah. (laughs) And so where's the accountability in that? Because I'm going to take my last name because I was a pro racer. And as soon as I ruin Addie's health, that's okay. That's your problem. Because I've got six other athletes directly behind you that I just suck into my system because I have a famous last name because I was riding for a particular brand of motorcycle. Well, that doesn't really build the health and the longevity of the athlete. All it is is those young athletes now become pawns in the system of somebody with a last name. That's where I want the the parents listening to, to tonight's show. They need to seek somebody out like yourself. I know regionally sometimes it's not always possible, you know, based at where you're at. Maybe somebody's over, you know, in Perth, and yeah. obviously they can't get a hold of you on a consistent basis, at least one-on-one, but they can do you know a, a zoom meeting or skype of course, they can't yeah. talk to you on the phone facetime and i would really encourage the listeners to think about that because just because someone has a, a a last name does not make them a true performance coach like yourself you've got the athleticism and on the field you've got the education off the field you have the unique combination of the physical and the mental yeah i don't know why anybody would go anywhere else yeah, thank you. And I'm a lot of fun. I'm a big kid at heart. <laughs> but Absolutely. no, yeah, thank you. It's 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 good because I feel like people are starting to catch on to it though. Do you know what I mean? Like I remember when I first started with kids, Jack was one of my first kids I had two years ago, three years ago, whatever it is now. Yeah. Um and now it's almost weekly. I'm almost I'm getting like new, you know, um what what are they called? I've just lost what um but new like uh connections, new people obviously inquiring, that's the word I was looking for, you know, and asking like <laughs> what rates are and stuff like that. So I think people are starting to catch on that, you know, if my kid really wants the best in their sport, whatever sport it may be, is like they need that sort of coach to to back them in, in all aspects of, of life and not just obviously the training, but also like you said, this the nutrition, the sleep and, and everything else. And I feel like and we'll touch on it obviously a little bit later, but like that recovery and the nutrition, I feel like people are still really lacking in that area. They think 
because they're kids, oh, sugar is fine. They're going to just burn it off later. And, you know, they can have Maccas because, you know, they, they can't gain weight and stuff like that. But it's just like, like that stuff drives me insane because I'm like, yeah, but it's still, it's crappy fuel in their body. Like it's not going to benefit them in any way. But, um, yeah, but yeah, but exactly right. Yeah. Um, but we'll move on. We'll go to the next question. Um, so this is also from the nuns, but this is a bit of a funny one when I read this one, because obviously people have had to have listened to your podcast to actually understand this question a little bit, but so we might have to give some context around it, but their question is how often do you walk through the middle of the supermarket? I, I go through this middle of the supermarket because that's where I can get bottled water in craft beer. So I go <laughs> through the middle of the store every yeah. time I go to the store. Yeah. Um, our, the way our supermarkets are set up, that's where the, uh, the wines and the beers are. And my wife, Michaela, she, she likes uh, some high-end wines, and, and I'm a big craft beer. I think everybody that's been around me knows when we come into a town, I want to know where the local brewery is at because I want something that's from that area. I always yeah. want to get the taste of the area. So, yep, I go through it every time I go to the store. Every time. But see how it's just for something so simple. It's water and beer. Like, the because I heard that, on obviously, when I was listening to your podcast and I had a good little laugh because I'm a massive sucker for a chocolate. Like, I love chocolate. It's just, it's my thing. It's my weakness. And when I, when you put that, obviously, analogy out, like, into your podcast, I thought about it and I was like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, the middle of, even our supermarkets here is just, it's just full of crap. It's full of packaged, processed foods um and it's like really you could avoid that you don't really need um i think on the, your podcast you said you only get like beans because you can't be bothered to or take too much yeah. time sorry to obviously make make your soak own them. beans yeah soak them so i was like yep. that makes per and it, it was good it gave me a massive um like eye opener to that like i just kind of walked up and down followed mum every every aisle you know as, as you do as a kid and 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 I got into that habit that now, even as an adult, like I still would just do that and just pick random things off the shelf when I don't even need to go down the middle of the supermarket, like at all. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and you bring up something that I think is incredibly important. Like we have um, in the freezer, we always have, um, and I think you have them as well, bags of dark chocolate chips that you cook with. Yeah. 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 You know, if the, if the listeners understand that dark chocolate, the high quality dark chocolate, there's all kinds of health benefits associated with it. Yeah. Now we're not, we're not encouraging eating the entire bag. However, it does go into where do you, the listener, where do you reward yourself? Yeah, exactly. Because like you said, Maccas and all that other stuff, there's no food quality out of any of it. But if you look at the true quality and the ingredients of dark chocolate and all the medicinal benefits and all that goes with it, but it goes beyond just the scope of its dark chocolate. For some people like myself, it might just be a craft beer. My, my point is, is where's the reward? We're human beings. Everything in life needs to have some level of reward. And I find it when we get to the tip of the spear, people think that it's got to get so hardcore and then what happens? They get mentally and physically burnt out. They hit a point of diminishing returns. Where's the reward? You know, when you when you take somebody through a three, six, eight week training block, yeah. what are they doing to reward themselves? You yeah. know, I don't mean to pick on you as a female, but you females have always been told since you were a little girl that where's the white horse to sweep you off your feet, to yeah. take you into the distance and, and live the happily ever laughter dream. Mm-hmm. And then I want the listeners to answer this question. If you woke up tomorrow independently wealthy, where would you go? 
What would you eat? What would you wear? Who would you hang out with? Because we all dream about it, but yet you woke up tomorrow and you're independently wealthy. What would you do? Where would you go? What would you eat? What, who would you go with? And yet I've never had one person that could immediately answer those questions. But yet, what is it that we're all doing? And then I want the listeners to close their eyes and picture a hamster on one of those little wheels. Because that's what we're doing. We're just hauling the mail every day to try to get through to tonight, get to tonight to rush to bed, to get up tomorrow, to get back on the wheel. Where's the balance? Where's the reward? Why, why are we doing this? Yeah. What is it that we're searching for? You know, we say that we want interpersonal relationships, but then we're not spending the time on an interpersonal relationship to be surprised that we don't have an interpersonal relationship. We say we want to be fit. We want to be fast. We want to be whatever it is. Then you get there and you go, okay, so you open the door and there's nobody there. So that chocolate for you is way beyond the scope of it's just chocolate. It's the reward for your 15 and 18 hour days that you have. You know you yeah. need eight, nine hours of sleep, but owning your own business, sometimes it just doesn't happen. But going into that refrigerator and getting that piece of chocolate is Best thing your ever. reward. <laughs> it is good. And I do, I talk to... Um, my kids actually like they get rewarded i guess um when they work hard and do like hard sessions i'll i'll get them they can write their own workout for a session you know and do all their favorite exercises or their reward is like um i have to do something with them do you know what i mean and it's cool because it yes. keeps them it keeps them motivated it keeps them going like yeah if i do four five six sessions really really hard give 100 percent. mads is gonna let me have an easy session or mads is gonna let me go for a walk like some i've done it with a couple of kids we just go for a walk like around the harbor because yeah. you know like you were saying before kayama jerangong is so beautiful it's so nice outside and you know we can just connect more you know mentally and have chats like that so rewards are super important and when i do school talks too it's like the fourth rule that I teach them about like creating habits, the fourth one, the last one is like, give yourself a reward. So um, I always use the example of whenever I do a school talk, I'm allowed to get a new tattoo. I'm going to run out of skin soon if I keep doing that <laughs> reward, but <laughs> it's a good reward. I love it because, um, yeah, when I do those school talks, I get to go get a fresh tattoo and the kids love it too. They they can relate to that and they're like, oh, that's cool. So, but yeah, rewards well, when are you're, When you're doing what they want, like you're saying in this realm of reward, like right you're going to have Maddie do look at the smile on this, on their faces. Yeah. It's the best. So if you don't think a reward really matters, look at the smile on their face. Yeah. Because what most people think reward, they think some monetary device, they some monetary item. 99% of what you and I want in our interpersonal relationships does not include a tangible product. What do we want? Communication, a hug, a kiss. Yeah. It, it's not something we can buy, but yet, we don't reward. We don't set ourselves up for reward. We don't make the reward a priority. And I don't even like to have the analogy where there's a carrot in front of us and we're chasing it. It's just answer the question, why are you doing it? Mm. Yeah, you well, know, yeah. I challenge, and I don't want this to sound pompous, I ask all my multi-million dollar athletes, why do you do it? And, and some of them will immediately come back and say for the money. And I go, cool, how much is enough? I've never had one person ever be able to tell me a number. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're talking about a hamster on a wheel. You know, the listeners would think, well, if I could, if I was a pro athlete and I could make $1 million, okay, you're telling me it's a million dollars, but would that really be enough? Yeah, once you got the million, you want another one. You want to just keep going. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But if you come into it saying, I want $21 million, and I say to you, cool, because like you and I talked about, I love working with entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I want to encourage people to start their own business. Yeah. And I always say to my young entrepreneurs, 
why do you want to become an entrepreneur? Most of them say money and more time. And I'm like, well, you start your own business. You'll have neither of those. Yeah, okay, so you, you, you can pretty much write that off. Yeah. All right. But when you say to me, you want to make $15 million, I say to you, in what time frame? Is that over 30 years, five years, one year? Mm-hmm. And then we just divide and conquer. Yeah. I want the listeners that in the athletic realm, why are you doing what you're doing? What's the reward for what you're doing? And how are you going to evaluate it? Because if you don't quantify it, you're never going to be a, you're never, you're that hamster on the wheel that'll never get to a point where you go, okay, I see the level of achievement, which does what motivates you to do another round of training, six week block, eight week block, maybe an entire season. You, how many times did you doubt yourself when you had, let's just go back to your first ACL. How much doubt did you have to overcome? Yeah, a lot. A lot. Yeah, a lot for sure. Um, it's definitely because it plays on your mind. Obviously, and, and in any sport, it's like, can I get back to where where I was before? You know, and it's like, Absolutely. am I am I good enough to do that? I like a quote that uh, Michael Jordan. I think he says, "It's um, if you're worried or if you're scared about stepping onto the field or onto a track, you're not confident enough in your own abilities. Like you haven't worked enough." So I think Absolutely. that's yeah, I love that quote because it's like, if you're going to put in the time and the effort, then you shouldn't be worried about the results like they should come. Well, and let's take that thread of thought just a smidgen further. There's not a listener that is not more afraid of success than they are failure. Most human beings are petrified of success. And they go, no, 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 I'm afraid of failure. No, you're not. In fact, most human beings will sabotage their success because they're so petrified of What's they will do anything they can to knock their momentum out so they have a built-in excuse. Yeah, they have an excuse, but exactly, you, yeah. You mentioned Maccas. Yeah. You know, that's always a built-in excuse. If I can say, well, I had to run through Maccas because I was hungry, well, the problem is not that you ran through Maccas. The problem was you didn't take the time to go to the store to purchase, cook, pack, prep. That's why, so your cooler's empty. So because of that, you went through Maccas, but you didn't make it a priority to go to the store, cook, prep, and pack. But you're going to say, well, I just didn't have anything to eat. I had yeah. to go through Macca's. That's yeah. not the problem. So when you, if the listeners, I don't want them to think I've lost my marbles. If you really stop and think about this, what is the concern that we have when we start to become successful? If you're somebody who has struggled with weight loss and all of a sudden somebody sees you and go, oh my goodness, you look so good, Addie. Maddie just, I can't, Maddie's doing such a great job with you. First thing she thinks is, oh, gosh, there's this pressure. I have to sustain it. Yeah. That's what I want the listeners to understand. It's, well, if I won a particular tournament, there's the pressure I got to win next week. No, there is no pressure. This goes back to why are you doing what you're doing? And then having someone in your corner that can help explain what we did to create that success to do what? To continue that success. That's where you need a paradigm shift in the way that you think as humans were petrified of success. Yeah, I think that's very true. Yeah. I I um I always think that like I always ask people like what what's their why, you know, like you're saying like why are you doing these things? And and everyone's like it's yeah, it's money or something like that. And it's like but what's your your why with like your heart, like you know? And it, it took me a long time to figure out my why. My why is obviously for my family, like and it's cool I got a little nephew now as well and he's become a part of like my why. And it's like when you put almost like an emotional, I tried to like an emotional attachment. That's what I tell people. Um, you're more likely to stick to it. So it's like, why do you ride motocross? Or why do you play football? It's not because 
Our mum and dad said so. It's because when you're out on the on the bike or on the track or on the field, you just love it. Like your emotion is you're the happiest person, nothing else matters, and that's your why there. And I think a lot of people get confused yeah. with what their why is. Is it it's like my why is to make mum and dad happy or is it my why is to make me happy? And I think that gets like a little bit confused sometimes. No, 100%, especially in youth athletics, because obviously mom and dad have to encourage the participation that then turns to a passion that then turns almost to an obsession. And if for the listeners that may be in the general fitness weight loss side, how many times have you lost five kilos? And how anticlimactic was it when you stepped on the scale and you hit your goal and then you hear the music in the background? Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. So you've been there four times before, but how about you want to walk a 5k and now you've lost the five kilos and you're going to walk a 5k symbolically. How valuable is that finisher medal that's sitting back here? How, how much does this motivate you when you cross the finish line? It's not what the scale said. It was how much did you overcome to get from the starting line of the 5k to the finish line? And along the way you cleaned up your eating, you got rid of the alcohol, you dropped the cigarettes, you put yourself to bed in time. All of those little steps are what got you this. And every time you see that finisher medal, that's what's going to, a t-shirt and a finisher medal is going to give you a lot more than what a scale says. Cause how many times have you been there, done that? Yeah. And like you do, you always make the, the, the reward is much bigger than just saying you lost five kilos. Yeah, of course. So yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a great experience when they get there. Yeah, and it's nice when they when they realise it themselves. I always like seeing that on the kids' faces and stuff when they figure it out for themselves. Yes. All right, next question. Um, this question is a really good one. I had to like read it a couple of times. Um, I think – so the question is, is why do you think some riders perform better during practice sessions than they do perform like on race day? So obviously my first thought to this was obviously, you know, they put too much pressure on themselves obviously on race day because practice and training is like fun, you know, you don't give yourself as much stress. Um, but yeah, what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, you, you just hit the nail on the head. We, we let the word pressure start to sneak in. And I say to all of my clients, there is no pressure on race day. It goes back to what we opened up tonight's conversation about. It goes back to what have you trained your brain to do? Because when we go, when we transition from practice to race day, what do we usually say? Don't wreck, don't blow the start, don't, don't, don't. And yeah. the brain does the exact opposite. So we literally manifest our own failure, all because of the way that we approach and think. Yeah. Don't think about a pink cow with black spots. It, it's That's how fast the brain works. Yeah. And when you transition from this is practice and fun, and there's no pressure, and I, for those that are listeners that do ride moto, think about how differently you ride after you fall. Well, why is that? The fear of falling has already manifested itself. Now the true you rides to your potential. Well, as an elite athlete, when you can train your brain to create that slight paradigm shift, when you sit on the starting gate and you execute that right brain movie, now all of a sudden there's no fear. I want you to I want you to literally do something for me, Maddie, if you don't mind for the sake of the listeners. Sure. Okay. Put yourself into a position that you're Jack and you're rolling into the starting gate. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just kind of put yourself there. Now I have a left field question for you. Mm -hmm. If money wasn't an issue, what are your three favorite meals for dinner? And money's not an issue. 
Uh, I always would go some sort of Mexican meal, anything Mexican, okay. and then a lobster. I love a good lobster. Um, and like oysters. They would be like my three. Bit bit random, but yeah, because okay. I don't get them all the so time. So just one more time, what are your three favorite dinner items if money's not an option? Like Mexican, lobster, oysters. Okay, at any time did, while you were thinking about that question, did you think about the rider to the left or the right of you? No. I was thinking about what I wanted to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the, the brain will answer the question that's been asked. So when you ask yourself, how am I going to win the race? It goes back to your right brain movie, goes back to the analogy you said, yeah. walking over to the wall, flipping the switch. You, It's like you coming out of the changing room and you're in, you're in yeah. competition mode. Yeah. You, the switch has been flipped. Yeah. And your brain is, how am I going to execute perfect passes foot handling, mm, yeah, faking them out. Now you move into mode of execution. You're not thinking, you're executing. Yeah, it's, you know it's very true, yeah. But when I ask you the question about food, immediately the race scenario just disappeared. Yeah. Because the, the reason why I like to use that example is I've done a lot of study with kids with Tourette's. Um, like yeah. yourself, I, I just love seeing young children be able to do things they never thought they could do. Yeah. They took a group of kids that had Tourette's, gave them all an instrument. They were in a circle. There was 10 of them. And they said, for 30 seconds, just play that piece of equipment as loud as you can. Some are beating on drums. Some are blowing trumpets. And for that 30 seconds, their external physical tics completely disappeared. Wow. That's so cool. And so what the study was trying to show is the brain can only focus on one thing at a time. So when I asked you about the meal right after I had you roll into the starting gate, your brain forgot about being in the starting gate and it went to answering the question. Yeah. So go back to that, that trigger word. Yeah. If you're sitting on the starting gate, yeah. you're getting ready, your tennis players are getting ready to go out on the court and on their water bottle, they have a little note, whatever that trigger word is, maybe it's execute. Yeah. As soon as they ask themselves, how am I going to win this? Their brain immediately goes into the right brain mode because that's what they've trained themselves. And they're just at another round of practice on the tennis court. They're on another round of scrimmaging on the field. They're at another round of another ride session. Now you're controlling the brain because the body will execute what the brain thinks, but we very rarely train the brain. And now you have a complete circle of success because yeah. You can be physically, physically equipped. Now, let's elevate it just a slight bit more. We have to make a couple assumptions, and you preach it every single day. Are you fed? Are you rested? And are you hydrated? Because yeah. if you have those three, now you can focus. Focus on what? The execution of the plan. Yeah. This is what frustrates the daylights out of me in moto. What's the answer in moto? Faster motor, stiffer suspension. Fixes everything. Yeah. I'm like, no. Those two components just show you how unfit you really are. So that's where for someone like to answer that exact question is being able to back it up. What is it that you're afraid of in practice? Falling, making mistakes or whatever. Well, you're focusing on the wrong thing. And I know that sounds very quippy and I don't mean for it to, but you're focusing on what you've trained your brain to think about. Yeah, well, it's true. But it's like, and even coming back, obviously, from an injury, it's like, a physio will tell me, like, you know, go out there with confidence because if you're hesitant to go into a tackle, that's when you're going to injure yourself again. But that's what you're thinking about. So it's like you have to get that thought out of your brain and build that confidence back up, obviously, to to compete. 
but where does that confidence accomplishment, that's an endless loop. Yeah. If the listeners will draw a circle on their paper, no matter where on that paper you put the words confidence and accomplishment, they're always interrelated. The question Mm -hmm. is, I can't measure confidence. Now, you and I know it as athletic poise. Yeah. When you, if I were to watch films of you, like I watch you when you're doing your footwork with the ball in the air. Yeah. For the life of me, I'm mesmerized by it. Okay, because I can't keep the ball in the air for more than one one hit. All right, it's going over my head. It's going left. I love it. It's amazing to me to watch. Now, when you when you step back and you look at that, okay, and you're looking at the bigger picture of the whole process, what is it that? And I'm not even sure that I'm able to articulate it in a manner that makes sense. But I'm looking at you and watching you, and I'm like, man, she's confident. There's there's this level of athletic poise. There's a body disposition, but I can't measure that. What can I measure? The quantified results associated with that confidence. You put four goals in in three minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible results. The effort and the results, yeah. Yes. So for the listeners that don't have a performance coach like yourself, how are you ever going to measure the confidence in your young athlete or yourself if you don't have somebody that's going to challenge you with a set of exercises, a circuit for you, because that's where confidence can only come from quantified results that are, and those results come from what, what you've accomplished. Yeah. I don't want that to sound like a rhetorical endless loop to frustrate the listener, but you're telling me you lack confidence. Well, I can't taste it. I can't touch it. I really can't even feel it. Yeah. I can see the end result of it but I can help improve your confidence by helping you see the quantified results associated with box hops, jump ropes, burpees, pull-ups. You can see your strength to weight ratios are getting better. We can do body calipers and see that your percentage of body fat's going down. That's exciting, but what is it? It's quantified. What is that? You see that your strength to weight ratio is up 3%. Lactate threshold's gone up. VO2 max has gone up, blah, blah, blah. All these big physiology terms, what are they? quantifiable number. Now your athlete walks out of your facility and they're like, man, I'm in shape. I'm in better shape. Well, that's a quantified analysis that created confidence in in an athlete. The question is, how do you translate that confidence to the field? Brings us back to skills and drills. Yeah. Because I've got the fitness. I've got the strength complemented with flexibility. I've got strength complemented with endurance. I've got sprint speed with late race fatigue or late race endurance I put those together with what the smoother I am you know how it is if your footwork is Johnny on the spot and you're not literally running into somebody every time you're trying to move around it's easy to go down the field execute the passes put it in the goal yeah how many times how many times have you had those games where it's just like the passes just always went yeah it's good and it's it's so easy I love those I love those games and like the goals too it's like and then in the back of the net and you're like but yeah it's hours and hours of practice that no one sees for that that, kind of magic to happen ball hitting that net is the reward for all those hours of skills and drills yeah that's it everyone always says what position do you play I says striker and they're like oh you're the glory spot and I'm like yeah it's the best feeling in the world why wouldn't you want to play play that spot but yeah it's it's it is with that but with that position comes a tremendous amount of responsibility and that's another area that we could do an entire show on you're willing to take the responsibility associated with that position and all that goes with it because an athlete says they want to be the best. Well, you tell me you want to be the best, but are you willing to in, invest in every component that makes a champion? Because it's not a temporary habit. It's a lifestyle. 
You're yes. going to be the first one to open the door for somebody else. Yes. You're going to be the first one to brush your teeth without your mom and dad telling you to. You're going to be the first one to start your homework. You're going to be the first one that's going to give up soda. You're going to be the first one. Because are you giving up soda as a sacrifice or an investment? A champion sees it as an investment. investment. Yeah. Yes. It's it's a mindset. But everyone wants to be a champion, but not everybody wants to, to essentially pay the, the price. Work. Yeah, yeah. You. You took a lot of responsibilities having the glory position, as you called it. Yeah, well, and it's, I was in another podcast um, with one of the girls, is like, uh, we spoke about how they used to like sneak out when they were kids. And I looked at them and I said, I never did that. And they were like mind blown. They were like, you never did that. And I was like, I was always at a football camp. I was overseas playing somewhere or, you know, I was like trying to sleep because I had a game the next day. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and for a, athletes they understand that sacrifice but for us it's not a sacrifice it's an investment to obviously reach yep. our potential and you know whether you want to be a professional motocross rider or a professional football player your friends at the time will give you obviously a bit of crap for it and they'll go like oh why why aren't you just being a kid and having fun but it's like you know in five ten years time when i've achieved my goal of being a professional athlete like that was my investment and that's why i did it and i think a lot of kids sometimes forget that as well they think they're like, well, why can't i go play with my friends and it's like well mate if you want to be a professional you need to invest in what a professional does and they don't go that's sneaking right. out <laughs> at night yeah we we try to we do it both in the entrepreneurial world as well as the athletic world the, the term opportunity cost you know we only get one go around at this and there's a right and a wrong way to do it and it goes back to if Addie wanted to be a physician, she wouldn't go and try to do it some other way. She would do it the way the physicians before her have done it. Yeah. And you did the path. Now, like you said, you had to learn a lot of it on your own. I'm 53 years old. I mean, for some of the listeners, they don't understand what a card catalog and a, and a library even is, you know, because they have Google. Everything's at your fingertips. I remember going to numerous libraries in Central Florida looking for books on nutrition, sports psychology, strength training, they didn't exist. You know, like yeah. you said, you kind of had to try, you had to kind of chart your own path, but now there is Google and there is a lot of information, but unfortunately it's gone the, it's tilted the other direction. Now there's a ton of misinformation. Yeah. And that's where someone like yourself with the credentials, with the experience, with the insight, you know, insight and experience, both good and bad. You've been through injuries and overcame You've had lots of victories, but a lot of defeats. Yeah. And I think a lot of people fail to see that. Now, all they see is all your accolades. They don't see all your, air quotes here, failures. failures. failures, They're not really failures. They built your character that helped create the success. Yeah. And that's where this, that's called life. Yeah. But opportunity costs, as you said, is what I think a lot of people overstep. It's like, I'm like yourself. I grew up racing motorcycles, got into bicycle racing, I got all the way to eighth in the world. And I remember coming in on the weekends and like yourself, I'd leave every Friday, I'd fly out, race Saturday, Sunday, come in. So I was only in school essentially Tuesday through Thursday every week. And I so remember to your point, so many of my friends going, hey, you're, you need to live life, man. I'm like, live in life. I'm in a different city every weekend. I'm trying to make myself better, okay? And you're telling me that over the weekend you got drunk and you may have gotten your girlfriend, your buddy's girlfriend's pregnant. Yeah. But yet, but yet I'm not living life. It sounds crazy. to me like you've got a lot of, you got a lot of turmoil going on there, buddy. And I want no part of that. Yeah. You yeah. Know, if you're telling me I'm not living up life, I'm not being a kid. And I'm like, to me, I was trying to make, I was trying to just be as good as I could be. Yeah. I know that sounds kind of, you know, 
a little bit soft, but it's just how I felt. I I'm think, with you 100%. Yeah, I think and living, living life, as you're saying, is like, yeah, I remember being 11 and being in Europe and getting off the bus in Germany. And, you know, f- at first I was I was shit scared. I was like, I'm, where am I? Like, mum and dad aren't here. You know, you're just with the football team. Yeah. You're like, what's happening? And now that was like the coolest show and tell when I got back to school. You know, I was living life. I just went and spent two yeah. weeks over in Europe and was just like that and living life to the best that I could, you know, and – that and I won't take that away from like anything like I thought those two experiences going overseas and then 13 I did go to America I was over there playing for a bit and um like they I feel like that's where that started shaping who I was like as an athlete you know and these Mm -hmm. young kids now that are getting getting to trip around all around Australia to ride motocross and to compete and play against in different tournaments in touch footy and stuff like that like I want those kids to understand that you're living life like that is the best thing that you can do because you're making yourself healthier you're making yourself happier you're connecting with new people I like some of my That's best right. mates like they don't even live near me you know like they're they're yeah. so far away because you've just made connection with like-minded people and I think that's that's the important part and so kids sometimes yeah, go you just said the key word right there like-minded people you know I tell my entrepreneurs if you want to be the next best entrepreneur hang around successful entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, if you want to be the next best champion, regardless of sport, you have to gravitate towards it. And I say to my, I own three amateur motocross teams. um, And I say to my athletes all the time, get comfortable being uncomfortable because you're going to come out of that first turn leading the race. Are you in a mental headspace to handle the responsibility of leading a race? Yeah. I'm very fortunate. I have one of the top amateur riders over here in the United States, Logan Bess. And yes, we do a lot of work off the bike, but we do a ton of work on the mental headspace because it's not if he's going to get a factory ride, it's what color bike is it going to be? Yeah. It's not if he's going to get a gear deal, it's which one, but that's great. You get to cash a lot of big checks and it seems great when you're on this side of the equation, but then when you ink those deals, what comes with it? a litany of responsibilities. Are you in a position physically and mentally to take on those responsibilities? Because if you're not, don't act surprised when you get there. My biggest pet peeve is when they complain about the travel. You go pro supercross 17 rounds in you know 18 weeks. Don't complain to me about the travel when you've known for the last 10 years you wanted to be a pro. And with that comes travel, yep. testing, photo shoots, autograph sessions. I don't want to hear any complaining about it. That's why you get paid millions of dollars. Exactly, yeah. You know, and it, I, I, I really have a disdain for people who go, well, the reason I'm not performing well is I'm not having fun. It's a job. Jobs aren't always enjoyable. Yep. But it's part of the job, and you knew the responsibilities of the job. If not, change your job. Exactly, yeah. Without, without sounding like a smartass, find another sport. You know, I don't know what else to tell you. Try again. <laughs> yeah. What comes with the yeah. sport. It's it is what it is. Yeah. No, it's good. All right. We'll um I like that we're 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 going a bit off topic here and there, but I like it. There's so much information in this. Um I'll do uh one more question. So we spoke obviously about um I think a key topic is obviously nutrition and recovery and stuff like that. So uh, I think this would be good for a lot of listeners, but top three tips maybe on nutrition or like maybe on, let's say, um, let's make it more specific, on game day or race day, what would be the ideal, I guess, wake up and breakfast? Because I have this problem a lot with my athletes is um, 
some of them are obviously so nervous that they don't eat or they don't know what to eat or they don't eat enough, you know, and you try to tell them to eat the right things, but they're not always, I guess, up for it, you know. But if if you could give one bit of advice on nutrition, like what would it be to eat on game day? There, there's Unfortunately, there's not just one. There's going to be two that we'll have to answer because yeah. if, you, if you answer it independently, it's going to create chaos for the, the listeners. Yeah. The key is, is you need at least two hours to digest, assimilate, and purge. So if you're eating too close to your match time, mm -hmm. then you're going to have gastrointestinal issues guaranteed. Because a lot of athletes will come to me and they say, Rob, I get nervous on race day. I get that. Because to me, a little bit of nervousness means tell, excuse me, tells me that you're still respecting your sport. When yeah. you go out there, like you own it, like it's no big deal, you're going to get hurt. You can, you've always got to have a little bit of trepidation when you go out there because that's called respect for the sport. Yeah. But when you go out there and you've eaten too close to that, you've got to look at what we call the hierarchy of needs. Your body's being asked to go perform at an optimal level and digest food at the same time. They can't coexist because when it comes to performance, the body's number one goal is to not die of a heat stroke. So if it's trying to thermoregulate, i.e. sweat, what required what is required with high levels of performance blood has to go to the muscles to deliver oxygen water has to go to the skin in the form of sweat well now you put the body in a power struggle of exothermic process getting the heat to the skin and out now you throw in their digestion because you've eaten too close to competition digestion is always going to get pushed aside this is why we say we want people to understand this is why you end up with diarrhea or you end up vomiting because the body's going to get rid of it one way or the other. Not trying to be graphic, but it's either going to go out the top or yeah, the bottom. Yep. Because hierarchy of needs are, you want me to perform, heart rate is elevated, digestion is going to go backwards. So if you can give yourself that two-hour window, you've had plenty of time to digest and, and purge, now you've set your body up. And we could do a whole show together on a little bit more specifics with nutrition, but you eat that breakfast, you top off your, your stored sugar levels, glycogen, now you're ready to go perform for 60 to 80 minutes. If your tennis match or your field time is going to be more than 80 minutes, you got to start looking for an isotonic drink, a sports drink. Yeah. The number goal is 300 calories. You guys call them kilojoules, 300 kilojoules per hour. Any more than that, you're going to, your body's going to back up more GI distress. Now let's go to the question of, well, or the statement rather of, well, I always have a lot of nerves on race day, so I can't eat. You've got to train yourself. We do a lot of work with triathletes. And there was a top pro, Peter Reed from Canada, and he would literally eat spicy, entire plate of nachos, jalapenos, hot sauce, okay, yeah, crunchy yeah. nachos, and then he would go run 20K. And what he was, the reason why he would do it is he said he was teaching his body to be extremely uncomfortable but still run fast. This guy could run like a 250, 252 marathon off the bike. So what I want, I only use that example is you've got to train yourself to make yourself do it, even if it's uncomfortable because, and I love the quote that you, or the Instagram post you put towards the end of the day today, food is everything. Yeah. You, you cannot exist without food. Our body can store for optimum performance. It can store about an hour's worth of sugar, depending on your body size. But what people don't understand, and this is what makes us as humans very dangerous to ourselves, if you're driving your automobile and it runs out of gas, it's pretty absolute. You're on the side of the road. 
you drive your car and it has low oil or it has no oil and eventually it just ruins the motor. It stops. Seizes, yeah. Yep. Well, we don't get enough high quality fat. Our adrenals keep trying to work, even though the adrenals need the fat to do their job. You don't eat enough calories. The body will continue to adapt. I don't want to get into ketosis and all of the fallacies associated with that, but the body will go into a mode of starvation and survive. Is that really an optimum environment for performance? No, that's just sands of dying of starvation and dehydration, but the body will continue to adapt and overcome. And that's what makes us dangerous because we're like, think about this. You're at the beginning of a tennis match going, I don't want to eat and you don't, but you're still able to perform. You're sitting at the beginning of a motocross race or an automobile race and your, your vehicle or your motorcycle has zero gas. You're not starting. It's going to sit right there. Yeah. And if you always run that through the same filter of an automobile versus a human, yes, you might be able to get on the field and play, but you'll never be at an optimal level or you'll be at an optimal level for a very short period of time, usually less than an hour. So I would answer the question with you've got to train yourself to eat but you've got to do nutritional timing two hours before yep. and then kind of let that 300 calories per hour kind of trickle in over 60 minutes. Just keep sipping. You don't have to go and you know, overdo it. Now, the last thing that people have to understand is what we call the inverse relationship between food complexity and intensity. So if you, if you're going to go out and do skills and drills and your heart rates at 110, you probably could eat a, you know, a honey and an almond butter sandwich because the intensity is low, but you start a full-blown scrimmage and your heart rate's at 180, 185 for 90 minutes, the complexity of the food has to be a lot lower, i.e. a sports drink, an energy gel, an energy block. And I know some of the listeners are like, well, isn't that simple sugars? Well, when you're performing at an elite level, or not, and not even an elite level, when your heart rate is elevated, your body just wants sugar. Yeah. That's why sports drinks work so well. And, you know, we could talk about sugar's a primary fuel source, brain works more effectively. You burn more fat when sugar is present. We can, like I said, we can do a whole yeah. show together on it, it, nutrition because people, well, they've convoluted it. And yeah. like you said, you've got every client walking in your door. That's just confused. Yeah. It's fat, good or bad protein, good or bad sugar. I mean, what is it? And it's because there's just too many articles. There's too much clickbait on, on Google these days. So people don't know what to believe. That's why I like the nutrition is you just shop the perimeter of the store and you're now a guru on nutrition. Yeah. You know, eat every two hours so your blood sugar doesn't plummet. Make sure that you have enough stored sugar to go 90 minutes on when you get on the field and then keep 300 per hour going in. Leave a two-hour gap for digestion and you pretty much have nutrition dialed. You know, you can say there's too many agendas and, and 100% transparency to the listeners. I own my own sports drink business. I own my own supplement business. I do not recommend supplements to anybody until we deem them necessary because they're called supplements, not yeah. food replacements. Yeah. There's a significant difference. And when people understand supplements interact with real food, now you're extremely busy. You lift yourself, you have your own business, you have a great mm -hmm. relationship, life's good. But it, if we run blood work and we see that you're missing, fill in the blank, magnesium, yeah. zinc, iron, B6, B12, and you just feel like you're at the feeding trough all the time and we're still not able to bridge the gap of what you're burning, then sure, a whey protein is a whey protein shake is going to be good for you. Yeah. You know, if, if you just are too busy, like I'll, in hundred percent transparency, I don't like the smell of cooked fish in my house. 
So okay. I'll do krill or I'll do omega-3 fish oil because I know I need the omega-3s. I need the MCT fats, but I'm not cooking fish. Yeah. I don't like to smell yeah. them. Yeah. It's always, it, it's, it, and to put it in context for obviously people listening, like me as a personal trainer, as a coach, they all think how many supplements or does Mads take, you know? And people find it funny when they go, Mads, what supplements do you take? And I said, oh, next to none, you know? Like I mm-hmm. can't remember the last time I've had like a scoop of protein or do you know what I mean? Like, yes, I have yeah. them. Of course I have them. But, you know, that's – I have them when they're necessary, you know, when I haven't got my protein intake in for the day. You know, I'll go get a protein shake from from the caffeine stuff. So it isn't important. Like it isn't the be-all and end-all like a supplement. You know, it's like you said, it's perfect. It's to supplement your life if you're missing out on something. Well, and that's why I like these heart rate monitors. You know, nowadays we can go to the dashboard and see what you've burnt in a 20-minute moto, a 30-minute field session, you know, yeah. a full round of tennis. And I could look at that calorie burn rate, and then we can look at your food intake, and we could try to minimize that nutritional caloric gap. What do we fill it with? Real food. But unfortunately, and I want the listeners, next time you go to the grocery store, pull up a bag of that fresh express, this, the bag salad. The entire bag has about 75 calories. So you take somebody like a Jack Noon who's burning probably close to 5,000 calories on race day, an extra large egg has 75 calories. So how many bags of lettuce and how many hard-boiled eggs would Jack have to eat to bridge 5,000 calories? My point is you, you feel like all you're doing is eating, eating at that yeah. point. That's when you realize your burn rate is much higher than what you can get in from food. Then a, a smoothie with a lot of calories with almond butter and flaxseed oil. And all, yeah, yeah, it's going to, because at that point, it's necessary to bridge that caloric gap with high profile amino acids, et cetera, et cetera. But like you say, people take it out of context. People get really surprised, especially new clients are like, what supplement should I take? I just had it happen yesterday. Hey, I see that you want me to take supplements. No. I want you to know I have them available, but here's the key. Let's get blood work every three months because now we've only gone 12 weeks. We know what you did exercise-wise. We keep very copious notes on what you've eaten. Look where the gap is at. What tells us that? Blood work. Yeah. You know, because the health of the body is based off of the chemistry of the cells. What is blood work? They're giving you a snapshot of the chemistry of the cells. Because if, if the listener will realize that a cell makes up a tissue, a specific tissue makes up an organ and a specific series of organs make up a system the entire systems make up a body it all comes down to the health of the cell that's why your instagram post is benign as it seemed it is absolutely the foundation of health for everybody and i love those types of the nuggets that you drop i think sometimes go right over people's heads because they're way more there's more meat on the bone than they realize yeah you know and it's whether it's balance whether it's having fun whether it's being creative whether it's the importance of food whether it's working with young children, helping them see, overcome their fears and doubts. I had them. You had them. We don't need to have another generation of kids that are out there on an island trying to figure this stuff out. Let's facilitate that learning curve. So I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Well, I I love what I'm doing and um, I appreciate you coming on to this podcast um, today, tonight, in whatever whatever area we're in. Um, It's... It blows my mind, like just hearing hearing you talk. Like I almost forget that I was like hosting this podcast. Like I was just like almost <laughs> learning again. Like, and, and it's so good. And I hope the listeners, you know, stop, rewind, like take notes because this stuff is just like 
magic, you know. It's everyone, you know how they always say, you know, you need that magic pill that, to get things done. Like this little podcast is kind of that, a little bit of that magic, I think. And it would definitely hopefully point people in the right direction on, you know, what they really need to focus on. And the the simple things, you know, we need to focus on, you know. We don't need to turn our, our world upside down. Um, we just need to focus on all the little intricate bits each day on race day, you know, while you're training, so you know, your supplements and like that it's not the important things, but it's actually the nutrition and your food and stuff like that. Um, but thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. We're definitely going to have to do a second you. one. I think. No, that. thank you very much for having me. And for those that took the time to send in the questions, both of us promise that we'll do another show and we will, we'll, we'll hold on to those questions. We will definitely answer those because I appreciate people taking the time to put that on your Instagram or DM you. And we, we always want to be able to answer those questions because there's a lot of frustration and confusion and your and I's desire is to, to minimize that. So with your permission, we'll do another show when it works for you. We will. We will. Thank you. Yeah. Bedtime, bedtime for me now (laughs) And, (laughs) and you can go enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much again for jumping on this podcast and we'll definitely be back with the second one soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Maddie. No worries. Thank you. Never let them stop your grind. And when it's time, don't ever let them stop your shine. Why? Cause you work hard to get there. When you get stuck, look up. Don't just sit there. There's haters regardless. Just do what you do. You ain't through till it's finished, man. That's what 